Welcome to Dad Up, the podcast show for dads about dads being dads. I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the show, I hope you enjoy listening. Please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. Well, look, JT, I appreciate you uh, being on Dad Up with me uh, just to share a little bit about your dad experiences. And, you know, I've been following you for a while, enjoying your content, enjoying what you're doing. And so it's, a, it's an honor. It's a pleasure to have you on, brother. Man, my honor, man. I'm believing that this show will be a blessing to you and also your uh, listeners, man. Awesome. Well, let's do this, JC. I know you're busy. Uh, Why don't you do this? My listeners don't, if my listeners don't know much about you, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, your story, your background, your, you know, how you grew up, all that kind of stuff. And also about your family and your kids. Awesome, man. Well, uh, first of all, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be on this show. Um, I thank you for the opportunity, Brian. And, um, you know, I grew up in the great state of New Jersey and uh, I grew up, uh, I was raised actually by a single mom. And that kind of shifted my perspective as a dad uh, and the dad I am today. Up until I was eight and a half years old, um, I had my sister who was 18 months older than me. But up until I was eight and a half years old, my parents lived together, man. And, you know, we, we, uh, we saw a lot of crazy pain and suffering and things that went on in our household. My dad was a, a drug addict, a, an alcoholic. Um, we saw a lot of abuse. And at eight and a half years old, my dad actually uh, left us, walked out on us, and uh, the pain and suffering didn't stop, right? It just kind of shifted. The kind of pain and suffering went from the abusive side to now the lack. You know, we saw a lot of, uh, you know, we laughed a lot from a monetary perspective. My mom tried really hard as a single mom, and, um, you know, we, we every single week, man, for us to go grocery shopping, we visited local food pantries. That's, that's how we grocery shop. We moved multiple times at a young age. Um, you know, there was times we lived in what they call shelters, which is group housing. And you're in a development with, uh, you know, many different, uh, families, usually eight to 10 families. And, you know, that, that perspective growing up being raised by a single mom at eight and a half years old, it shifted my, it really shaped my perspective of how I wanted to be a dad, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to stand for, what I was about, what I wouldn't do from what I saw my dad doing. And, um, I'll never forget a defining moment in my life at eight and a half years old. I, we were living in a shelter. I was uh, in the top of a bunk bed. My sister was right below me. And I was looking below at her, and I'm weeping, and I'm crying, Brian. I'm asking that question that a lot of us get in life, and we say, why? You know, why me? Why does my family have to go through this pain and suffering? Why do we have to use food stamps? Why couldn't I have the Michael Jordan sneakers like the other kids? Why did my dad have to leave us? And I'll never forget at eight and a half years old that I discovered what my purpose was going to be. I had no idea what it meant at the moment. But I hated to see people be in pain and suffer that I knew at eight and a half years old that my career, whatever I did, my mission, my calling was going to help people not be in pain and not suffering. And I, I had no idea the magnitude. I'd be blessed to do that at today. Um, but I, made, I was on a mission at eight and a half years old. I made a note at that time in a bunk bed in a group housing. I said, I'm going to rescue my mom and my sister. I'm going to get us out of this poverty stricken life. It'll be payback to my dad. And I'm going to go make a lot of money, you know, so that my mom will never have to work again. She won't have to suffer. We'll be able to drive and not have to take public transportation. And, and I was going to do it one of two ways, Brian. I was either going to become a professional rapper. Yes, a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> growing, up, growing up in Jersey, you know, rap is a big thing. And back then it was Vanilla Ice. Right. baby. And the rap career didn't work out real well for me. But I knew I wasn't going to be a professional rapper. I was going to be a pro athlete. And I used athletics to stay out of trouble. I was blessed with some God-given talent. One thing led to another. I ended up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a Jersey boy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, talk about a culture shift and shock. And um, I ended up uh, going out to, with big goals and dreams and opportunity to play basketball at a school in Tulsa called ORU, Oral Roberts University. And yeah. it was freshman year. And I made one decision that radically changed my life. And, uh, you know, there was a cute girl on campus. All the athletes were chasing her. 
I was very competitive. I had a win and I won. I, I landed this young girl at 19 years old, but this is where my story of a dad came into play. She became pregnant at 19 years old. I was, uh, you know, it was frowned upon. I abandoned the morals that my mom raised up on. She got pregnant. And the one thing led to another. They told us, hurry up and get married, covered up. I got married and was divorced in six months. I threw away my basketball opportunity. And I ended up over the next three and a half, four years in the fight of my life to be a dad in a custody battle, over $400,000 in debt, depressed, oppressed, suicidal. And um, this is where my journey as a dad began in the fight of my life, not only to be a dad, but to actually just see my daughter. And I fought that good fight. And one thing, uh, you know, I believe this. I believe we all go through things, you know, at a time and season for a reason. And I know there's listeners listening right now that they're probably experiencing pain and fatherhood and life as a dad and a marriage and a relationship, whatever it may be. But I read something in a Tony Robbins book at that time, $400,000 in debt and the fight of my life to see my daughter, you know, suicidal. And I read this quote. It said, the meaning of anything only has the meaning you choose to give it. And I started to shift my perspective and then I started to change my choices and radical things went on. I started to create a new story for my life. I went on to become the youngest strength coach in the nation in the division one university, trained some of the top athletes, wrote my first book as an author, started my first, my, my supplement line, started my first company called bootcamp Tulsa, became an entrepreneur. Now four books later, um, started, uh, many multiple companies. I'm blessed and privileged every single day to wake up with purpose and passion. I get to travel. I get to speak uh, on some of the largest stages. People come to me when they need to be coached and they're right. stuck in life and I get to coach them. And I, I don't, I don't say any of that on the show today to impress anybody, but I say that just to say that sometimes at our lowest point, our most painful point in life, if we look and we find and we tap into our potential, it, it could become our purpose. And that's what it did for me as I became to make myself better and develop me as the leader. You know, if you want to be a great leader in life, you want to leave your house, you want to leave your household or, or your kids as a dad, you got to be a great leader of yourself. Number one, I started to lead myself, started to get fit, created this coach JC guy. And I said, what would this coach JC guy look like if he was the best version of him? And part of that vision that I created was to be a, a full-time dad. And I fought and I went and accomplished things that many dads don't accomplish when you are uh, in a broken household. And, you know, separated and divorced. And I went and got full custody of my daughter, man. I, I, I fought and got full custody of my daughter when she was 10 years old. She came to live with me. She's now 19 years old. Uh, we will actually take her off to school this weekend, college. We are best friends. We are great friends. I am her dad, but we have an amazing relationship, though. So what I know is this, man. I know that, number one, whatever you're facing at the moment, that God works all things together for good and that it's a story of restoration. And uh, I was thrown in at 19 years old. Here you go. I had that one mistake I made, the greatest blessing came a daughter, but I was also thrown into that great, amazing hood called fatherhood and the dad life where we're not given a manual. So that's where, that's kind of my story in a cliff note version, my man. Wow. That's quite a story. And you know, it's funny, God, God had a hand in you, even at a young age, um, guiding your life, the direction that he thought you were going to go. And all those things happen to you for a reason. Uh, we may not have understood it or you may not have understood it at the, at the time, but I, I, I'm, I'm certain you do now for sure. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yep. And, and you know, one of the things I did at that moment when I was down and out and suicidal and depressed, so, you know, fighting to be a dad, not having any money as a college student, you know, trying to figure that out. The Obviously, the it costs a lot of money in, in the judicial system and, you know, attorneys and all that stuff. You know, I, I really, I enrolled in a Bible school, man. I just got a hold of some biblical principles. And I said, you know, 
what is this thing that my mom raised us on? Really, we could take it and make it real life. And I just started to read some things and not only read them, but implement them and, and, and really just make them real in my life. And one of them was Romans 8, 28, that says all things work together for good who are called and, and are loved and, and called according to my purpose. And I said, man, what if I am really called? What if I really am loved? What if I love God? What if all things work together for good? What if this really had to happen in my life for me to go and be who I was called to be? And I just shifted the perspective of it and said, you know what? If all things work together for good, I'm going to condition my mind. I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to train my body. And I'm going to trust that God has all things in control, that his will will be done, that I was called to be a dad, that this isn't a mistake, but maybe it's part of my destiny. And I started to walk around saying this mantra that it had to happen. It had to happen. You know, as bad as it seemed at moments, I said, no, this had to happen. For where I'm going, this had to happen. And, uh, you know, shifting the perspective can do radical things for your life, how we see, you know, our reality, you know? Right. Perspective. It's all about perspective. You shift your perspective on things. It's amazing. That's right. Now, what do you, uh, your daughter's 19. She's, um, she's going off to college. What, what do you enjoy most about being a dad? Your journey as a dad is still continuing, but you've gone through a lot of the, um, the tough times and the good times as they grow up in their adolescent years. What do you enjoy most about being a dad? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, for me as a dad, um, the greatest thing that I enjoy is absolutely, for me, it's the challenge. You know, it's the, it's the challenge of where, you, you know, you, you can actually, you know, mold a young human being's life. Like I look and I say, wow, you know, when I, when I made the shift and I realized, man, I, it's not about me anymore. It's not about JC. Right. Like you have a responsibility to another human being. And the thing I love the most is to look now and say, wow, I actually was given a responsibility in a role. And if you're a dad listening, you're given a responsibility in a role that, you know, you get to shape and mold another human being's life. I look at my daughter now and I see so many of her beliefs, so many of her character traits, so much of what she does and she believes and how she views the world comes from me. And, right. and you know, that, that, that's such a humbling and I, I get emotional thinking about it, that I was given that responsibility. I mean, I think so many times we get overwhelmed with parenthood and dad and, and life that sometimes we get in a rut of, I have to do this. I have to be a parent. You know, if you could just shift again, a perspective shift to say, I get to, I get to be a dad. I get to have a responsibility. Right. And for me, that's the greatest thing that I enjoy the most is to look and say, wow, look at my daughter now. And I got to play a role and was given a responsibility by God to be able to shape her, mold her, to, to, to grow up, to be a fine young human being. Now, don't get me wrong. Was it a challenge? Yes, it's a challenge. But it's also, to me, an amazing challenge and responsibility. So I really do enjoy that journey of it. Yeah. And that's, did she, um, now, is she playing sports or did she play sports in high school? Because you were athletic. Did she, she follow that kind of line too? You know, she didn't. She actually played some sports. Um, she attempted to play sports. My daughter is an amazing singer and musician. So okay. she's actually, she's a, she's a worship leader, man. She's actually heading out to Dallas a school in Dallas called Christ for the Nations. She cool. is going out there to lead worship, and then she is uh, transferring over to Dallas Baptist or ORU after her first two years, and sh- her calling is ministry and worship. So she awesome. definitely did not get her voice from me. We joke about I was that saying, all the time. She be a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> she, I still like to freestyle, and I freestyle just to humor her, but when I sing, she's like, Dad, you know, I'm, so, I'm so glad I get my voice from you. I love you, but I sing in the shower in the car. I don't care how good I sound. I love to sing, but I, she definitely didn't get a voice from me. She sounds like an angel. She could sing and play the piano. So that's, that's her calling. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, what, uh, what challenges did you face being a dad? 
Well, obviously, you know, from hearing a little about my story, Brian, the, the first challenge I did face was, you know, fighting the, to, to, to be in her life, you know, and that was a challenge, you know. I've seen a lot of, after I went through that and I discovered that part of my calling and part of my reason for going through that was to help other dads, man, I didn't realize that, obviously I grew up in a broken household and my parents were divorced, but I didn't realize my mom did an amazing, amazing job of always making sure that my dad was in our life. And me and my dad have a great relationship today. Our relationship's restored. You know, we have an amazing relationship. You know, he's actually recovering alcoholic and drug addict for now 32 years. And he's one of the top, he's one of the top adolescent drug and alcohol counselors in the entire state of New Jersey. Like the governor sends people to him so that he can help rehab their life. And I look and I say, you know, how did that happen? I look at my mom and the amazing, ridiculous example of mercy and grace. I mean, he was out cheating on my mom, drug addict you know, alcohol. And my mom always, as long as it wasn't putting us in a hardcore, dangerous situation, my mom made sure that we respected my dad and flourished a relationship with him. And at times, me and my sister would be like, you're crazy. We hate him. Why are you doing that? He left us. My mom right. would say, he's your dad. And my mom understood the value of having a she dad did. in a kid's life. And so when I went through what I went through, it was not even an option for me to give up. I see so many dads give up. And when life gets tough and their kids rebel or you know, they, they have to separate and they're in a broken household. And, you know, so many times you hear about it, that women have so much more rights than men. And, you know, my belief is, is simple, you know, that, that the mom has an amazing role in the kid's life and the dad has an amazing role in the kid's life. And they both need to be in the kid's life to shape that kid for who they were called to be. And um, when, when, when my mom raised us and, and I was able, when I went through what I went through, I just would look back and say, man, look at the mercy and the grace that my mom showed my dad. And there wasn't even an option for me to give up and quit. And I, I had a fight, man. I went through hell, um, false allegations. Cre- they're making a movie, man. I, and this is not like huge public record, but we're in the process of making a movie on the story because it changed laws in the state of Minnesota. Um, it changed laws in the state of Oklahoma because it was, it was just unprecedented what, what happened. It's an absolute miracle. But we did fight. And, and it was the greatest challenge for me to continue on a daily basis to remo- my, renew my mind and remind myself that I have a role and a responsibility. When, when, when time was tough, when I couldn't see my daughter, I had to remind myself, no, you can't quit. You can't grow weary. You cannot give up. Keep driving. Keep fighting. And one thing led to another. So obviously for me, that was the biggest challenge. Once my daughter came to live with me, Brian, I think the biggest challenge was separating dad and, and friend. You know, I, right. I, 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 mean, I just right. like, I love my daughter so much. I was robbed of, of, of years with her. And it, right. I saw her. But it was, it was in confined situations. And once I got, she came to live with me full time at 10 years old, it was separating that fine line. I think so many dads struggle with that of, I want to be your friend, but I'm your dad first. And, um, you know, so that, that was obviously the, that, that was without a doubt the biggest challenge for me. Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's quite a story. Um, it's amazing. The, the times that we do um, struggle at being a parent, uh, the things that you went through with your daughter at such a young age, uh, is, it just shows to your, to your drive and determination to be the dad that, that you wanted to be, that you knew you needed to be and kept after it. And so I commend you for that. Well, you know, Brian, let me pause you there. Cause I think that's a great point. I, and I'm honored that you said that, but you know, one of the things that I constantly remind myself at that point is it wasn't about me, but when I looked at so many of the stats of kids that are raised without a, a dad, raised by a right. single mom, and, and I was and I was raised by a single mom, and I made it okay out of there. But man, the stats were alarming. The suicide rate, 
the, 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 the individuals that are end up in prison. And I looked at all the stats and I said, are you really willing to live with yourself and rob your daughter of her life? Because she needs you as a dad. You have responsibility and you got this girl pregnant. It's on you. It takes two. Right. But you have responsibility now. And I had to remind myself on multiple occasions, all the sacrifices that I had to make and, and her amazing stepmom that came into my life as a girlfriend at the moment, where it was a constant reminder of us to say, this is not about you, JC. You're going to make a lot of sacrifices right now. There was a lot of things I had to lay aside that I wanted to do because I would remind myself, are you willing to live with yourself? If your daughter raised up to be a statistic because you weren't in her life, Right. And I wasn't, I wasn't. And a lot of dads give up too early and now I'm in their lives and able to, to mentor and coach them to be able to say, you, you got to shift the perspective. You, you, it's not about you. You have a young human being that's relying on you to be loved, to be nurtured. And that's, right. that's what drove me, you know? Yeah. No, even, even on the flip side, if, if, if she turned out to be a remarkable young lady and you were not in her, in her life, you guys wouldn't have the relationship that you have today. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's crazy because we look now and we talk about it and she says, you know, and I get emotional talking about it because it's the greatest fight of my life, responsibility and, and, and the greatest career job I have is being a dad. And she says, dad, you, you know, why did you just, cause she, her mom lived in Minnesota for a year, which is 12, a 12 mile drive from Oklahoma. And I would drive up. I was a strength coach at ORU and I would drive up and leave at 5 a.m. in the morning, get there on Friday at 5.30 p.m., pick her up, see her from 5.30 p.m. on Friday until Sunday at 1 p.m. and then drive back, get back 1 a.m. on Sunday morning and have to be up at 4 a.m. to be a strength coach. And my daughter, as she got older, realized that. And she looked at me one day and she said, Dad, why did you do that? Why did you drive for four years every other weekend to see me? And I got to look her in her eyes and tell her about my responsibility and the role that I have as a dad and why I did it, that it wasn't about dad for a second, but it was about her. And that, those moments helped shape our amazing relationship that we have today, you know? Right. Did you, did you share your uh, testimony with her? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And she, and she, she has her mom in her life still. Her mom's in her life. She was removed. She came to live with me full time, but we did the best we can, obviously the court systems and myself to keep her mom in her life in a healthy way, you know, uh, because she was removed for unhealthy reasons. But, um, and that's something that, you know, I was very protective on what I shared and when I shared it, um, you know, because she was, it was molding and shaping her, not only perspective on life and her as a female and a young lady, but also a perspective of her mom. And so I was very strategic in how I did that and what parts I shared. But now till this day, she knows the full blown out story. Um, she, she knows everything. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've shared it in many, we've shared it in many churches, um, throughout the nation. That's, I speak a lot. I speak in, in, in the faith-based world and you know, mm-hmm. so she's actually been in churches where she's seen me, she has seen me speak from, from stage and share my testimony. And, and through that, she's seen lives been, been transformed, restored and changed. And she's grateful that, you know, I turned a, a mess into a, into a great situation. And she did the same, you know, obviously it wasn't easy for her at 10 years old to leave her mom and come live with her dad, you know, 750 miles away. And, you know, right. it was a, it was a transition for her as well. And she had to do a, an amazing job to fight through that and through counseling, through prayer, through, through my consistency and my stepmom's consistency, you know, thank, thank God she turned out to, to be an amazing young woman. Well, that's awesome. And she has uh, a good, a good, uh, I should say a great relationship with, uh, with her stepmom too, right? She does. She does. Don't get me wrong. That first year was an absolute challenge. It was hell in our household. <laughs> 
but but after that first year, you know, they bonded and they have a great relationship to this day. Absolutely, that's awesome. Now, as a as a uh, as a as a having a daughter and going through the teenage years, I'm sure there were some times that there, you know, you wanted to be her friend, but you had to be her dad. You had to you had to provide some, a little bit of discipline in her life. How, in what ways did you discipline uh, discipline her? Man, that's a great question. You know, I, I, you know, I think the greatest thing, you know, I take a step back and say, you know, one of the things you're not given a manual as a dad, right? But when I realized I had a responsibility, I started to like research and talk to dads and I started to have a game plan. So I think a lot of times these dads not given a manual or marriage even, right? We go into a relationship and whatever happens, happens, you know? Right. Um, I started to consult with dads and say, man, I'm a young dad. How would you do this? How would you do that? And I came up with these things of how I wanted to be recognized as my daughter, how I wanted to, what, what the brand was going to be, you know, what I want to be remembered mm-hmm. as, how was I going to discipline? And I came up at that moment, yet a young age with three C's. I said, number one, curiosity. Mm-hmm. I always, before I discipline my daughter, I don't ever want to be the dad. Cause I rec- I remember how I was disciplined. And if my dad was angry, man, he treated me and he, he you know, emotions dictate and determine so many times how we respond in life as parents, right? right. I didn't want to be that dad. I don't want emotions to dictate, determine how I discipline and then have to look back with regret and go back and say, I'm sorry. I said that. I'm sorry. I hate you. I'm sorry. So I always said the first thing I'm going to do before I discipline is I want to get curious, curiosity. I said, I'm curious about the feelings. I would always tell my daughter this when she did something I didn't agree with, even at a young age, I'd say, Hey, Olivia, I'm, I'm that's so curious about the feelings you are having right now that led you to make that decision or the feelings that are leading you to, to the choices you're making. And I would be right. very specific in that. And I'd sit there and I, I, maybe there were times where I was very angry, but I always use it as, as an opportunity to educate my daughter first and hear her side. And mm-hmm. she would come back and say, here's why I'm feeling that way. And so many times we discipline the actual action, what we mm-hmm. see at the moment. I didn't want to do that. I first wanted to say, okay, why did my daughter feel the way she did that brought her to act that way? And if we could address the root of the problem, then maybe it won't be a repetitive behavior. So I always, I always would leave with that question. Hey, I'm curious, Olivia, about the feelings you're having that are leading you to make the choices you're making, or I'm curious about the feelings you're having and the feelings that you did have for you to say that or do that. And I'd let her talk and I would just shut up and listen. And then I would, the second C is I would coach. Before I discipline, before there's consequences, consequences of my third C, I would coach. After I was curious and understood, I wanted to seek to understand. When you seek to understand, you know, then you can be understood, right? Right. So I would seek to understand, I'd be curious, then I would coach. And I'd say, hey, you know, Olivia, I understand why you felt that way. But as your dad, I have a great responsibility. Now it's my opportunity to coach you. Here's why what you did is wrong. And you have a choice between right and wrong. And I would, do you understand why? And I would coach right. her. I'd use that as a coaching opportunity. Then consequences. And the consequences were a lot easier as we went on. Because a lot of people try to discipline. A lot of parents try to give consequences when they don't even teach the child what they did was wrong. So curiosity, coach, tell them what they did was wrong. Teach them what's right. And then let them know, hey, I want to let you know there's good and bad. Every action comes with an equal or greater opportunity and also a consequence, good or bad, honey. So I want to let you know if you choose that again, which is wrong, here's the consequences. You will be grounded. You will be you know, uh, you know, whatever it may be, disciplined in whatever way, you know, everybody feels necessary. I believe in spanking. You know, I believe in, in punishing. I believe in grounding. I believe in taking away the phone, all those things. And, you know, I would say, here's the consequences if that happens again. So we're very clear. The, expe- the expectation is very clear. And then next time, if it ever happened, 
I was very easy to say, Olivia, give me your phone and you know exactly why. There's no need to talk about it again. There's no need for me to coach you again. You know what you did. And then after she was grounded, I would come back and say, hey, why did you feel that way? I would reverse engineer it. Why did you feel right. that way? The reason I grounded you, the reason I spanked you is because of this. You already knew that was the consequence. But why did you feel that way? I felt this way because of this, this, this. And then it was a coaching opportunity again. And I honestly believe, Brian, using that, was it easy? No, because it takes patience. And you mm-hmm. want to flip off the lid sometimes with daddy. You just want to, right. you know, kids act crazy and irrational. They say things and do things. But I think that's one of the things that molded our relationship to be so tight as is. The three C's I use to discipline, curiosity first, coach them first. That's a great responsibility you have. You're a mentor in their life. And then right. consequences. And then reverse engineer it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you shared that because, you know, it's one of the things that, that I, I like doing about this podcast is there's so many dads out there that because there isn't an owner's manual, there's so many dads out there that just are lost on how to lead their family and their children. And what happens is, is they, they run. They, they, they focus more on their career and stay out of their kids' lives or they run all together like you had the experience with wow. your father. And it, that kind of that kind of advice that you just gave there is something that I'm hoping that dads that are struggling with issues with their kids will hear and go, wow, I never thought of it like that because most dads, when they discipline their kids, you're right. They do flip out right away. They jump on them, they ground them, or they punish them, and then they walk away. And the yeah. kid is left like, okay, well, I'm just going to make sure I try to hide it better the next time I do it, I guess. Man, that's powerful. So it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast is because, because things like that, you should share little tips like that, 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 that other dads will pick up on and that it'll influence them to be the dad that they need to be. So that's well, great. Brian, let me say something, what you just said, because I think that's powerful just to piggyback off it. You know, I think one of the things too, is when you, when you, when you do discipline that way, and I'm not telling you if it's a dangerous situation and my daughter was going to run the street, we've heard this right. before. I'm not going to get curious and coach. I'm first going to discipline and then come back. But, you know, I think one of the things too is, you know, and her friends would always say this, you know, why Olivia, why do you just share everything with your dad? And I look and all, so many of her friends were so closed off with their parents and they come to our house and our house became like the cool place to hang out. And I look and I say, it was just because I took the time to hear her feelings and right. people want to be heard. People want to be understood and then took the time to actually coach and even though there was consequences, and there was times where it wasn't comfortable, I always ended it, the punishment, the discipline, I always ended it with loving on her. And I, that's, one of, that's one of the things that I, I, you know, correction is a must as a mm-hmm. dad. You have to correct. But I would always love on her at the end and say, Liv, I want to let you know, you know, your actions and your behaviors, they don't dictate, determine, or change my love for you. It's totally separate. I love you unconditionally. I don't condone what you did, honey. And the reason that I punished you or thank you is because of this. And as a dad, I have a responsibility to coach you to understand why that's right and wrong. You understand that now, but I'm so glad that you actually took the time to share with me how you were feeling that led you to that action. And I never want that ever not to be there. I always want to have that relationship with you. So I think that's actually absolutely crucially important. And when you don't know what to do, Brian, a lot of people, what do you do? You do run, you know, you don't do anything right. when you don't know what to do. And we, ne- we were never given a manual. None, none of us were given a manual on how to be a dad. And so many times we're hard on ourselves. You know, we look back with regret and say, man, if only, and you know, I always tell dads this all the time. Like, you know what? Just, just have fun, have fun throughout right. the journey. You're, you're going to screw up so much. If you lay in bed at night and think about all your screw ups, man, you're going to be depressed. You're going right. to screw up, but you know what? You heard it. Every time you get knocked down, every time you get up, 
get up the next day, come back better the next day. And you know what? Everything's going to be okay. Don't major on the minor things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, that's great. Now, uh, your daughter is um, kind of in, in, into music and singing, playing the piano, that sort of thing. But, you know, you're a life coach, you're a business coach, uh, you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, you're an author. What if your daughter wanted to follow in that footstep? <laughs> Brian, you know what's funny? She, she's got it. She's got it. Like, it's, it's amazing. Does. She is such an entrepreneurial-minded we, we had her start her first business at 11 years old doing doggy treats. She started her second business at, at 14, a, a babysit concierge service in which she was making, you know, good money at 14. My point saying that is I never pushed it on her. She watched dad and she watched me and said, dad, how'd you start that business? She would come to the right. gym or she'd come on a speaking gig. She said, man, I don't like you get to leave and like come to my music recital. And my, my other friend, dad can't be there. And I would teach her and tell her like, they have jobs. Like people have to work. One of the reasons dad can be there is I'm blessed to have the flexibility, but that, not every parent's going to have it. And that's okay. But she said, I want that. I want to know how to do that. So she's very entrepreneurial minded. And when you talk about the life coach situation, she has watched me, um, you know, I, I, and, and again, I say this just from my upbringing and what I faced, I, I just operate like this on a daily basis, which is a ridiculous heart of compassion, empathy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I walk around. It's one of the things I want to be known as. It's one of the things I, when I die, I want people to say, JC loved on people, no, irrelevant of, you know, their gender, their beliefs, uh, who they were. Uh, you know, my daughter's watched that over the years. It doesn't right. matter if we're out to eat. It doesn't matter if we're in a grocery store. She has seen her dad operate with compassion, empathy, and, and, and be able to coach people and help people overcome. And she has that gift, that gift of discernment. She has that gift uh, 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 and the traits of compassion, ridiculous empathy and grace and mercy for people. And, and she's got it. And I've watched her do it in many situations. She has a little business going on now, and it's more of a ministry where she helps consult and coach you know, young girls that are going through trauma, traumatic situations and through That's music. Awesome. She helps them overcome. So, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what she's going to do. I, I know she's going to follow music, but she, she does have, have the entrepreneurial mindset. Um, as long as she has a vision for her life, man, I'm 100% okay with it. And she loves people. You know, when you love God, love people, and you want to help people win, you can't lose. And that's what I tell her every single day. So, you know, I know she's going to do something with the entrepreneurial mindset that she has and love compassion for people. So that's awesome. Now, has she ever given you advice? (laughs) All the time. All the time. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes I laugh and sometimes it's the greatest advice. And, And a lot of times she's right. And I'm like, Wait, you just reversed. You coached the coach. And she's like, all right, Dad, <laughs> listen, we're, we're, on, we're on a daddy-daughter date night, but I really want to talk to you about something. I'm like, okay. She's like, I just noticed something in your behavior. And I'm like, all right, give it to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's, That's cool. funny. Now, now does, she, uh, is she, does she get embarrassed with your, with your content, what you post and all that stuff, or, or is she pretty supportive of it? I know, like, my kids, you know, I, I, I post dad up stuff all the time and and they, they just kind of chuckle or they just go, oh, my gosh, here he goes again. But, I mean, does she follow that? Does she kind of go along those lines or is she supportive of it? She is, she's super supportive of it. You know, her friends, her, they joke about it. They mock it a little because I'm very over the top. My videos are very, I'm very intense. I'm very passionate. So her and her friends will send videos, you know, and, and memes and stuff of right. you know, mocking, mocking me, went <laughs> all day. And so it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of become entertaining. Obviously there was that, there was that probably like 11, probably like 12 and 13 where she was a little embarrassed. Um, you know, but once she got over that, you know, embarrassed stage, 
you know, we have fun with it. And she, she actually piggybacks off a lot of my stuff and she'll ask me why I posted it and she'll share some stuff. And so it, it's now become a comical thing, but she, she definitely, um, she definitely um, endorses now what I do because she sees the impact that it has had. You know, in the beginning, she was like, you're weird. What do you do? You're coaching people. Like, people pay you to what? You know, that's not normal. You get to go pay pay to go speak on a stage? This is weird, you know? Uh, But now she's, like, intrigued by it even, you know? So it's cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, what do you wish you knew before you had her that you know now? What do I wish I knew? Wow, man, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, you hear it said all the time that time flies, you know, and right. I hear that saying all the time, but in, in, in fatherhood as a dad, it genuinely and truly does. You know, I think, I think, you know, what I've learned to discover and, you know, through my own mistakes and flaws, man, is, is the power of attention. You know, I think the greatest asset that we do have as human beings, you know, if you ask people, what's your greatest asset? So many people get it twisted and they say time and money and all oh, that's great. You know, relationships. Yeah, that's great. But I, I believe the greatest asset you have is your attention. What you give your attention to will grow. And, you know, as a young, as a young dad, as an entrepreneur, I was so busy. There's many times where I, you know, you're working, it's hard to turn work off and I would be multitasking and being dad and talking to my wife and, you know, you know, posting something on Instagram. And, you know, I started to realize that you cannot be all in if you're not all in. And you right. know, I think, I think I wish I had discovered at a younger age. And again, you know, you can't take anything back, but I wish I discovered at a younger age that the power of attention and to know that, man, you got to be, you know, present, you know, it's not always about being perfect, but just mm-hmm. being present. And you can't be present in 15 different things at one time. Um, and I wish I discovered that, you know, that was my greatest asset. I didn't discover that till a few years back, actually, when I was so super busy and my daughter actually looked at me and said some and said, Hey dad, you know, we didn't take our, we didn't take our daddy daughter date date night this month. And that's something that I made a tradition at a young age when I got full custody, even before that to do a daddy daughter date night my, my, my uh, date every month where she dressed up and she looked at me and said, we didn't take our daddy daughter date night this month. And she said, dad, you forgot. And I said, wow. And I got so emotional and I, I had to tell her, you know, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And, but I wish I understood the power of attention and how powerful it could change your life. You know, right. just understand the power of that asset that you truly genuinely have. And then I think, you know, I think something I just said is powerful, man. I, I don't know why I said that, but, you know, I think there's three real big power words, being a dad, that are very hard for men. And for me to have to look at my daughter, get emotional and be vulnerable and say, you know, honey, you're right. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I think the three, three of the most powerful statements you could ever say to another human being, especially a kid, is I love you. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. What an right. example. What an example you set. Was that easy? No. But for my daughter to hear, please forgive me. Do you forgive me? I was wrong. Wow. My dad really could be wrong. And then I love you. And I, and I always would use those three statements over and over and again when I understood the power of them. And I would always, whenever I said, I love you, I would just say, I love you and throw it out there. But I would always say, Olivia, I love you because. I love you because this, this, this. And I would be very specific on why I love her. I love you because this, 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 this. So, you know, it was a great learning experience for me, obviously for me to be called out by my daughter uh, and, and told dad, you know, you missed our date night because you forgot. Um, that, that, that's the biggest thing I wish I knew before is the power of attention. If you're listening right now, that's the probably the greatest thing I'd give you today 
is when you're there, be fully there, be fully present, the power of your attention and what that means to a kid. And then be vulnerable, be real. For you to look at your kid and be able to tell you love them, the power in your words, be able to say, I'm sorry when you are wrong, that's okay. And to go look at your kid and say, please forgive me, I was wrong. Man, three powerful statements that could change the whole reality and perspective uh, 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 from a dad. Right, and and for them to hear it as well. Oh, um, game changer. Yeah, absolutely. That that is that is great great advice. And I bet you have not forgotten a daddy daughter date since. We have definitely not. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> it's on the calendar. Right. Uh, what advice would you give uh, soon to be dads or new dads? Man, I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. You know, I think I think that I think the one that I just said is, is right. the advice is, you know, um, you know, create traditions, create rituals. You know, the date night that I, you know, uh, that's it. The date night that I started when I was fighting to be a dad and I would drive to Minnesota and I, I had to stay in a hotel. I still found ways to create. I had no money. I'm in the red. I'm desperate. Four hundred thousand dollars in debt, suicidal. But I got to see my daughter. And I would create a date night out of it. And it would be something right. so, it would be buying goldfish from Walmart and me writing uh, with the gold, and, and me writing with the goldfish, I love you, through with the goldfish, and then us going swimming in the pool at the hotel. And that became a tradition. And every time mm-hmm. since that, you know, we've had a date night. And my daughter, it, it was kind of corny in the beginning. As she'd be 13, 14, she's like, Dad, don't call it date night. My friends think it's weird. Just say we're going out, we're hanging out. I was like, all right, cool. And then it became really cool again, where, like I said, she reminded me, and now still at 19, it's cool. Like now we go to right. a fancy restaurant and it's a, it's a cooler date night. But I think the thing that I would give the dad right now, soon to be is, you know, right now, start to think of traditions, have a game plan. If it's a date night, for me, my daughter, it was working out together in our garage. We have an at-home gym, you know, praying together at night. There's, a, there's there, you know, there's such power in that before you tuck your kid in at night. You know, the last thing they're going to hear is I love you and right. a little prayer doesn't have to be perfect, but my daughter never forgets that. There's this little book that, that's called, I love you forever. I like you for always. And that little book I started reading to her when she was two years old and I read the book almost every night that I ever, every night that I got to see her, I would read that book. And still till this day there, I, I, I turned the little thing into a song and I still have that book. And when I see her, I pull the book out and I jokingly hold her on my lap, hold her, and I sing it to her. And she laughs and she giggles, but it meant so much to her. So I would say right, right. now, you're, well, the best advice I gave a dad is then have things that are non-negotiables, no matter how busy you are, no matter how you feel, no matter what life looks like, you know, a date night, working out together, praying together, reading a book together, have something that you guys do together that she will never, he will never forget. It, it creates such a bond, that's an irreplaceable bond, that that's the greatest advice I could give you is, is create tradition. Right. That's great. Traditions are important. And it's something that they, you're right, they do remember, they do cherish, and they usually, uh, for the most part, they'll carry those traditions on when they're older with their kids as well. Absolutely. And you know what, you know what that date night did really with you, between you and me, Brian, it just allowed us to be better communicators as a dad and a kid. Like, Absolutely. That, that date night gave us undivided attention. It wasn't the coolness and the sexiness of going on a date. It was more of her dressing up, feeling valued as my daughter, and me teaching her, number one, what a boy 
as a guy that's going to come into her life and how that boy should treat her. You're going to be ready at this time. Dad's going to pick you up. Dad's going to open your door. Dad's going to pay for the bill. Dad's going to get you a flower, a little gift, a rose, whatever it is. So I was able to teach her how she should be treated as she matured and got older by a boy, number one. And number two, I was able to have open communication and dialogue with my daughter to ask her, how are you feeling? How was school? Man, we get so busy that those conversations don't even happen as much anymore. The dinner table conversations and day right. night forced that, which is invaluable. Absolutely correct. Now it's funny. I have a small tradition that I, uh, that I, I have two boys. My oldest son's 21. My younger son, he's 18. And with my older son, ever since he was a little guy, I'm talking little guy. Uh, I would say to him, you're a leader, you're a champion. And his response is supposed to be, I'm the best in the world. Let's go. And that, that carried on throughout his entire life. And it's funny, even when he was in high school, I can remember just, I, I used to say it a lot when he was growing up as a young boy and in his teenage years, but then I kind of stopped saying it. And one day I caught him off guard, but he actually responded the way he was supposed to. I said, wow. yeah, I, think he was, I think he was 16, 17 years old. I said, you're a leader, you're a champion. He goes, I'm the best in the world. Wow. <laughs> How powerful. That stuck with him. So it's just so cool to have those, those little traditions, man. They just, they're awesome. They're awesome for sure. Now, powerful, uh, man. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, thanks. Um, now, when it comes to uh, raising good kids, uh, if you had the secret, if you had the secret to raising a good kid, and I asked you to share it with me, JC, what would that secret be to you? And, you know, Brian, I think what you just said is the secret. I think that is the absolute secret because I did and still do to this day. Um, I'll never forget reading the book, The Five Love Languages. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever read that, Gary Chapman. Yep. But the five love languages have the words of affirmation as one of them. The other ones are um, physical touch, acts of service, um, gift giving, quality time. But one of them is words of affirmation. And I, I would use the five love languages as a dad as well. And I think it's huge. If you haven't read that book and you're listening right now, get that book. And every single day, you know, utilize the five love languages. Spend quality time with your kids once a week or once a month. Give them a gift, even if it's something, a card, even if you write something, acts of service, physical touch. All those things can, can play such a huge role as a parent. But I think the secret is the words of affirmation, what you just said. Every single day as a parent, I watched so many parents beat their kids up with their words. You can, right. you, you can shape a kid's life through your words. And so I ask you right now, like, I think the secret is what you just said. You know, are you speaking life or death? You know, right. into your kids every single day. You can create who your kid will become by the words you speak. And if, if, like having traditions, like you just said, are absolutely crucial to tell your kid every single day they work, wake up that they're here on purpose, that they have a purpose, to tell a young daughter that she's beautiful, to tell your son he's a champion, you are ingraining that stuff in their subconscious mind, and that will become their identity. And I right. think about that, and I say, that's got to be the secret. And, you know, so I, 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 to me, 100%, I've used the power of the word to shape my, my daughter's life. And I, I hear that you did the same. And I always had this rule, a three to one rule. The three to one rule says, okay, for three, for, I, I want to have three positive, uplifting, crazy, ridiculous, great things in relation to every one negative or corrective thing you have to do. Cause you do have to do corrective things, consequences, discipline as a parent. But right. I would always say, okay, for all, for, for the one corrective thing I have to do and I have to correct my daughter, 
I want to have three positive, uplifting, great things. And I would always make it a point to make sure that I would tell her three positive, great, uplifting things about who she had meant. Like you said earlier, you're a champion. You're beautiful. You're wonderfully made. You can do anything you want in this life. You're worth it. You're here on purpose. You have a purpose. You were born a winner. And then, um, that, that to me, that, that is my daughter now to this day will say that she believes that that thing has shaped her self-esteem. And I think my perspective, and I don't, I don't push belief on anybody, Brian, but my perspective is the greatest belief you could ever have is a belief in a creator. The right. second, the second greatest belief that you could ever have as a human being is a belief in you in who you were created to be. And if you can know that the power of your words shape your kid's entire life, make, create their self-esteem and what their belief of who they are, man, that's got to be the secret. So I used to tell my daughter, even when she, hey, all things are possible. And I would have her write winning confessions. And I would have her say them. And I would have her visualize them. Not in a weird way, but to shape her self-esteem. And that way, when a kid told her something at school or a boy said something to her, she knew who she was. She knew what she stood for. Right. She had her, She said, wait a second. You can tell me whatever you want, but my dad told me I'm beautiful. My dad right. told me I'm a, I'm a conqueror. My dad told me I'm powerful. I'm a champion. So whatever you say doesn't affect me. Because that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Words can right. make or break you. Absolutely. So. I've got to honestly say as a dad, that's been my greatest weapon. It's the greatest weapon we all have. The power of our tongue can absolutely steer your kid's life. And if I had any secret to raising good kids, it's got to be the words you speak will absolutely shape their self-esteem and create their identity and shape their life. So the power in your words, are you speaking life or are you speaking death into your kids? Yeah, absolutely right. So where can people find you, JT? If people need to know more about you, want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Um, uh, yeah, Brian, obviously coachjc.com. That's my website. That's my services, my books. That's everything. You can always contact me through there. I give away a ton of free content and free resources on there. Um, how you can win and be the greatest leader in your own life, how you can be your best physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Cause a lot of times, you know, fighting to be a great dad comes down. It's hard sometimes. And a lot of it comes to our own insecurities, who we believe ourselves to be as a man, as a human being. And I believe before you can lead anybody, you have to lead yourself. So coachjc.com or any social media, coachjc or on Instagram, it's the coachjc. Ton of free resources on YouTube. My YouTube channel, I give away winning words. Podcast is a win all day podcast show where I give short, you know, 15 minute or under winning words of the day to help people, you know, create wins in their life. So either of those platforms. Cool. Now, what do you, what do you got going on this year? What are you working on? Uh, this year I am actually, uh, doing a lot. My, now that my daughter's in school, I took off senior, I took off senior year. I shouldn't say I took off, but I, I pulled back a lot on the speaking engagements her senior year, um, of school. Now that she's going to college, I'm going to pick back up on the speaking engagements, um, and do a lot more, uh, coaching and consulting, um, on a national level, more traveling. I was doing a lot of that locally and then through a uh, satellite and zoom and Skype, but I'm going to get back on the circuit and start speaking again. That's my passion. It's what I love to do. And now my wife, you know, uh, my wife who sacrificed so much, man, and that's a whole nother story, sacrificed so much, um, you know, fighting for me and with me and not only financially, but in her own life, you know, I feel like this is a season to pay back her and you know, she's not working at corporate America anymore. And, you know, she's going to be able to travel with me when I go speak. And, you know, um, we're kind of empty nesters. So I'm going to use this time to invest back into my, my wife, who's been in a tremendous blessing. And I would never be where I am today as a dad. Probably wouldn't even have full custody if it wasn't for her. 
So I'm using this season to get back on the speaking circuit and also spend some quality time uh, with my amazing wife and Olivia's stepmom. Cool. Well, awesome. JC, it has been an absolute pleasure and honor um, chatting with you. Um, I love the insight. I love the, uh, the, just the information that you shared about your experience with being a dad. And uh, I feel like I've, I've, I've gained a new friend and I am excited for, uh, for what the future holds for you, brother. I'm honored. I'm grateful. Thank you for the opportunity, Brian. If I can do anything for you, please don't hesitate. I do consider you now a friend. Thank you for the opportunity to be on a podcast. All right, man. Well, you have a great day. You have a blessed week and I uh, wish you all the best. You too, Brian. Talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. As always, I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. This is Dad Up.